Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. On this show, we interview people who have lived through stressful situations, recovering addicts. We've done Holocaust survivors. We've done people who have been wrongfully convicted of murder that were innocent. Basically, anyone on this show who has a story of redemption and hope. Today, I have a longtime friend, someone who's a predecessor to me, someone who I've known since I've been clean, Church. How you doing, Church? What's going on? I'm doing good, Brian. Thank you for having me. Hey, I know it was on the list of people to have on the show one day, and I'm uh, just waiting for the right time. And now's better time than ever, man. You know, yeah. I asked you to be on the show. You didn't say, you didn't hesitate, and here we are. Mm-hmm. You saved the best for last. <laughs> I did save the best for last. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not the last. Hopefully, there'll be more yeah, people I after this. this. You know, I've known you since I've been clean. You've known me since I was a kid, since I was 17 years old. How long you been clean now? I'm coming 18? up on no, I'm coming up on 17 years. 17 on years. July 5th. July 5th. You have 17 years. 17 years. It's crazy because when you get clean and someone has two more years than you, three more years than you, it seems like forever. You yeah. know, you know, you were here when I got here. One of the very few people with double digits plus clean time that still regularly goes to meetings. You got an amazing story. I remember one thing about you, Church, is that you've always hung around. You know, like a lot of the other people that would get clean, they would kind of like go to meetings and get home and go home or, or they would leave N.A. Like you've always been at the spiritual retreat, hanging out with us at the diner, always been um, somebody that, you know, it feels good to know that someone's solid, you know, and still there. So I appreciate you. You know, you've seen, you met my parents, you know, my parents pretty well. Mm-hmm. Real Florida boy. True. True. Still haven't seen snow. Yeah, I'm going to take you. You want to go next year? <laughs> next year. Yeah, I, I didn't go this year. I was going to go snowboarding this year, but I didn't go. You've never seen snow. Never seen snow. But I have to be very careful because I can't break a hip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you had hip replacement before? No. You know, what's funny is I was speaking at Plantation Recovery with like all them old timers. Yeah. One person started talking about hip replacement. The whole meeting started talking about <laughs> hip replacement. It was funny. We do go through things in recovery, hip yes, replacement. Hopefully it's not one of them for you. I hope not. I'm having problems with it, but right away they want to stick needles in you, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and inject stuff into you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not who I am. You know, let's try some physical therapy. Yeah. There's other ways and means of getting to the solution mm-hmm. without just sticking needles yeah, in me. and changing whatever. Yeah. So you're from Victoria Park? No, I was born and raised in River Oaks. River Oaks, where's that? That's down near, uh, just west of Broward General. Okay. I'm, I'm five blocks away from the boatyards. Wow. Five blocks away from the east of the boatyards, mm-hmm. Waterdale Marina, Broward Marine. You know, they're all named different now, but mm-hmm. from that neighborhood where the oak trees canopy the streets. Yeah. Old Fort Lauderdale neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, Howard Ficklestein's from that neighborhood. You know, a lot of people, there's been a lot of people come out of that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So tell me what growing up was like for you. It was good. Yeah? You know, you know I got, had had two great parents, you know. What you schools know? you go to? I went to Croyson Park, mm-hmm. okay, which is an elementary school. Okay. Okay. Then I went to Croyson Park. Then I went to Rogers Junior High, and then I went to Stranahan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, Stranahan's been around that long. Yeah, Stranahan is still around. Wow. Yeah. That was it for me. What was it like back then? What was Stranahan like back then? Was it a good school? Rough. It was rough because it's it was rough when I when I went to high school. Yeah, it was rough then. Wow. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was the seventies. You know, people had problems. Yeah. You know, and you know they weren't afraid to show it in the hallways. Was race a huge issue? Yes, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. So so the seventies is after the hippies. The 70s. Explain the 70s to me. 
The 70s were great. <laughs> you know, I had a really, really good time. The 60s and the 70s, you know, uh -huh. you know, the 60s is when I was in school, naturally. I was born in 59, but mm -hmm. the 60s and 70s were great, you yeah. know? I mean, you know, in the later 70s, you know, 76, 77, 78, 79, mm -hmm. 80, you know, we made money. We went to work and... Mm -hmm. You know, we sold quaaludes and sold weed and <laughs> drank beer and, you know, partied. You know, that's what we did. You know, I'm not going to tell you that it was all fun and games, mm -hmm. but we had a good time. Yeah. You know, a lot of concerts, concerts every weekend at Hollywood Sportatorium. Who did you see in person? I've pretty much seen everybody but the Who. Really? Yeah, and the Rolling Stones. You seen Jimi Hendrix? No, no, he was dead before my time. Oh, really? Yeah. Who would you see? I've seen Jethro Tull. I've seen <clears throat> I've seen Bob Seger. I've seen Aerosmith oh, numerous wow. times. I've seen uh, Fog Hat. <laughs> you know Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. I've seen everybody in that period. E everybody in that period. Wow. Ex except for how the much Who? were concert tickets? Seven dollars. Seven dollars. Six wow. seven dollars. You know the Sportatorium was the place to go. Mm -hmm. That hands down. And when you wanted Quaaludes, you went to the bathroom. What were the Quaaludes like? They say they were like Xanax. Are they like Xanax? I have never done a Xanax. Oh, wow. So Quaaludes were, you know, a downer, mm -hmm. you know? And they were, you know, they were popular back then. You know, there was no Xanax then, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, Xanax is a new drug Yeah. as far as, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm concerned, you know? You know, that's all new stuff. What was your plan when you were, like, out of high school? When I left high school, mm -hmm. I was pressure cleaning high rises for fifty for three dollars and fifty cents an hour in hmm. a little single man bucket, hanging twenty twenty two, twenty eight stories off the side of buildings. Oh wow. Yeah. That's what I did. An opportunity came open for to go be a welder's helper in Port Everglades. Well back then they didn't do background checks. They didn't do anything. You just went to work, mm -hmm. you know. So I started doing that. You know, as a welder's helper. So I went into work one day, and the owner, they had a meeting every morning. Everybody congregated, and the owner says, does anybody want to go to welding school? <laughs> well, I raised my hand. I wanted to go to welding school. Mm -hmm. You know, I just didn't want to be a welder's helper, you know what I mean? I was making, like, either 450 or 475 an hour then, and if we got certified, he'd jump our pay. Mm -hmm. So I certified. First, I certified in plate. And then I certified in gas pipe. And I worked down there for a long time, mm -hmm. you know. When did uh, your addiction start to get hold of you? 77, 78. Mm -hmm. it, it was gradual. It, did, it didn't all just happen at once, yeah, of course. you know. It just chipped away at me and chipped away at me. And then, you know, when I started, you know, doing cocaine is when it really, is when it really escalated. Mm -hmm. And back then, an ounce of cocaine was, you know, a couple grand. You know, it wasn't it wasn't cheap like it yeah. is today. It was hard, you know. The fun left of getting high, mm -hmm. you know. And that's when you, I started doing other things to get my money to, you know, I was still trying to work and, and have an addiction. You know, at the same time, it's not easy. You know, it's just it just escalated over the years, you know. Mm -hmm. It's been a uh, it's been a process, <laughs> you know. When did you start crossing those lines? Like, you know, obviously, like you know, snorting coke, you were partying, and then it became like, you know, in the way of your work. I'd say seventy eight is mm -hmm. when it really when it really got bad. Did you ever think about getting clean? Do you know anything no. about recovery? No, didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Didn't want. Yeah. To. I didn't want to get clean. I didn't really want to get clean this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was forced to. Yeah. I just didn't want to spend the rest of my life in prison. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's that's how that came about. My party started very fun. It was girls, quaaludes, sportatorium, work all week, spend your money, go back mm -hmm. to work Monday. You know, just keep doing that. You know, it was, it, that's what it was. You know, and we had, you know, we had a good time. Mm -hmm. You know. The quaaludes were wild. The girls were wild. And, you know, everybody wanted to eat quaaludes. Everybody wanted to have sex. <laughs> and that's what we did. I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a sign of the times. And, you know, the sex was good. And, and you, you know, the money was good, you know. I used to make money selling quaaludes, mm -hmm. you know. When did uh, the crack come in? Did you start getting arrested with cocaine? Or yeah, just... I started getting arrested with cocaine. For selling it? No. Just using it. Just use, you know, trying to get, doing burglaries and robberies and shit. 
Okay, so you're doing burgers, like what, like houses and cars? Houses, no, no, no cars. Okay. Mostly houses, hit a couple licks, uh, a couple business licks, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just stuff that now when I look back on it, it was, it was sad that I robbed somebody's business, and I've been able to make my amends in that area, but also in the same... Yeah, because when you're using, you're not thinking, you you're, know? No, you're not. You don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't care about that. You don't care what people think, For sure. you know? You, you just... Want to get high, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's what who I was for a long time. What was your first arrest for? Burglary. Mm -hmm. Numerous burglaries. Mm -hmm. And when I say numerous, I'm talking more than five. They arrested me. It was carrying concealed firearm and burglary. Mm -hmm. Because when they actually arrested me, I had a 357 Magnum in my pants. I was just a punk-ass kid who had no clue. And I didn't care. Did you go to prison the first time or you got probation? Yes, no. I, first time with the prison? First time, first time, yeah. I had too many. Mm -hmm. The the carrying a concealed firearm pushed it over the top. Uh, how many years did you do the first time? Almost seven. Wow, almost seven. How old were you? I was Late in my 20s? 20s. Yeah, Mid-20s? Mid yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the first time in prison like? Was it fun? <laughs> they, had, was, they had water beds? In, they had uh, room service? Oh, yeah, I had all that. <laughs> I was in a prison, my very first prison, mm -hmm. right? The age limit was 14 to 25. Okay. So okay. Youth. Once you turned 25, you went to the adult side. It was on the other side of the chicken coops. Mm -hmm. Campbell's Chicken Soup, their chickens were actually maintained by inmates mm. at this prison. And the chicken coop was between the two prisons. I'm talking chicken coops. like Hundreds. Yeah. Long, long rows of chicken coops. Mm -hmm. Then you went to the adult side, but it was wild. Really, really, really crazy. Like what? Being in a dormitory with 165 people and 18 white boys. 18 white boys? Mm -hmm. That's it? That's it. Just Puerto Ricans and blacks? Yeah. <laughs> Spanish and blacks? <laughs> Just rocking and rolling, you know what I mean? Wow. You know? So what, you guys fought every day? Well, it was, I didn't fight every day, but mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I did throw hands, mm -hmm. you know, but I mean, like when, you know, like when you throw hands, you know, I threw hands, I've been in prison a couple of times, usually we took it to the bathroom, mm -hmm. okay, where you got in a cut where, where the man can't see and somebody would watch, you know, or two people would watch. That's how we threw hands, you know, when I was in prison. That doesn't happen today, yeah. you know. Back then there was not a whole lot of control. You know, you had you had one cop watching all those people and there was two sides. And then downstairs in the basement was the TV rooms and the, and the pool tables and everything. Uh, when you got out, what happened? I went back to work and I carried basically I carried the same behavior from the street mm -hmm. to, to prison. You know, I smoked weed when I could afford it, you know, or when I could get it. And drank wine every now and then, <laughs> you know, homemade wine every now and then. But basically it was, you know, you know, I did the same behavior in prison as I did out, yeah. you know. And, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of change there except for I was inside of a fence, you know. And <laughs> I had a gate pass when I was in prison. Were I, you going to work release? No, where you go outside the fence to work. You go, I was on the carpenter's crew, so you would go out and go in the community and work at, um, you know, different different places. You know, it's all it's all about kickbacks mm -hmm. up there. You know, it's all about, you know, they know this person and they know that and good old boy shit. That's what they do, you know. They take care of each other, mm -hmm. you know, first and foremost, you know. You know, you're, you're in their backyard. So it's, it's part of, uh, you know, it's part of that whole generation of, that good old boy network, like if a guy's farm needed the fence fixed, they, he would call the prison and say, hey, wow. can you send a crew out there? You know, the cows tore my shit up, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, or whatever. And, and we went out there and we would repair it. Just because he's friends with the people that own the prison. Exactly. Had nothing to do with. Had nothing to do with no prison. Had nothing to do with money. <laughs> it had nothing to do with nothing. It was uh -huh. a good old boy network thing. Wow. That's how they rolled, you know, mm -hmm. part of what they are, mm -hmm. you know. Back then in prison, they'd beat your ass. They would slap you, mm -hmm. you know. They didn't slap me because I always did what I was told, yeah. you know what I mean? Plus, I ain't getting no lip, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? They'd slap you right in front of everybody, you know, they didn't care. Mm -hmm. you know, the cops, 
would slap the shit out of you, you know? I was on the gun squad one time. What's that? When you go out where you're in a disciplinary squad. Okay. Okay? So you go out underneath the gun, and they put you in a ditch, and you chop the weeds off the side of the ditches mm -hmm. up to your, almost up to your neck in weeds, chopping with a bush axe. This one guy, we got out of the ditch, right? This one guy threw his tool down. You got to do what they tell you. Say, they say, hat first, put your hat down. Put your gloves on top of your hat. Then put your tool down. This guy threw his tool down, and he walked up, and the sergeant walked over there and said, pick that tool up. Guy didn't pick it up. He slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> I mean, rang his bell. Yeah. You know, and these aren't little guys. You mm -hmm. know, the cops ain't little. You, yeah. You know, they're big country people. You know, I'm not saying anything about, about country people. They were just big. Yeah. You know, you know, and then he says, you're one of them Rustafarians. <laughs> he called it. That's what he called it. Yeah. A Jamaican, yeah a Rastafarian. Mm -hmm. He's a Rastafarian or some <laughs> shit like that. You know what I mean? But that's who they were. You know, it, it was a learning experience to say the least. Yeah. So when you got out of prison, what happened that led you back? The first time. The dope. Yeah. Mm hmm Started doing the same thing. Robbing houses? And, no, I, 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 I started, do, I, I did a couple armed robberies. It was sad. We did a home invasion one time, and we get in there. And this just wasn't, wasn't the way it was supposed to go. And the guy who we were robbing, his mom and dad were there. This is not the way it was supposed to go. It was supposed to be nobody there but him, and his mom and dad were there. Well, I felt like the biggest piece of shit walking, you know. When we left there, I felt like the biggest piece of shit ever. And, you know, I let the guy know that set it all up. You know, listen, man, you you can't do that to me. That's not, that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. He said, well, you, you're the one that wanted to hit the lick. I said, yeah, I wanted to hit the lick, but I don't I, I, I don't do old people, mm -hmm. you know. I, you know, I'll rob somebody that's selling dope, Yeah. okay. But I'm not going to have any part of locking Old people in bedrooms. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. I didn't lock them. Somebody else did, but they locked them in a bedroom. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, you know, I'll never forget myself for that. There's no way. Uh, you know, I, I still haven't been able to figure out how I'm going to be able to make amends for that. But you, you know, that's all part of the process. You know, you know, through working uh, twelve steps in a fellowship, I've been able to change. Yeah. You know, I've been able to get a grasp on. You know. This is the first time I've thought about that in a long yeah. time, you know, and it still makes me sad today, mm -hmm. you know, and we're going, you, you know, Brian, we're going back 35 years. Mm -hmm. We're going back a long time, you know, so, you know, and there's nothing that I can do but continue to be a productive member of society mm -hmm. and pay my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the taxes is really true, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just paid mine. All right. There you, you know? go. <laughs> so, you know. But I, I pay mine too. I, I pay mine I, slowly. I, I hate paying them. I, I hate paying them too. But I mean, like it's you know, the right thing to do. I, I, I'm grateful to be able to, you know, to be able to do what I got to do. You know, mm -hmm. and you know, like no yeah. matter what kind of money you put down on the table, that won't ever happen again. You know, my criminalistic mind. I could see an armored car at a, at, at, <laughs> in mm -hmm. front of a Publix, and look and see how soft it is mm -hmm. to be able to hit that lick. The way they come out, you know, they go in there, get the money, and then they come out. <laughs> you know, the whole key to that is to get them from the front door of the Publix to the armored car. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you got to get them in that space there. But I look, and today I still have that criminalistic, you know. Mine, yeah. That doesn't go away. No. Well, did you get arrested for that, or did you get arrested for other stuff later on? I got. I, I didn't get arrested for that. Mm -hmm. I got arrested for stuff later on. They knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. The detectives knew what what was going on. They came by my house and said, hey, what's going on? You're out now. Mm -hmm. We're watching you. We see you. You know, and, it, you know, there was subtle hints there that, hey, we're here, mm -hmm. you know. We're watching. So, you know, and I wasn't some big-time gangster. They just they just knew what I was doing. Yeah. You know, and they were polite about it. You know what I mean? They come in busting in my house or anything like yeah. that or slam me on the ground or anything, you know and i don't even know if this cop is still is still is still around mm -hmm. you know i know this 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 much i do know that they knew yeah you know through however whatever you know they knew who was doing what down there in that neighborhood yeah you know yeah and they might not have the proof right then and there but they knew it was yeah they knew 
you know. Did you, were you smoking at this point? I was smoking crack, yeah. So when you got out of prison the first time, you got introduced to it? Uh, no, when I got out of prison the second time. You no, got yeah, the first time I went to prison, when I came home, People I was were snorting. Okay. Okay, and drinking and smoking weed and whatnot, eating second alls and, mm -hmm. you know, that two and alls. Back then it was second alls, two and alls, placidils, <laughs> that kind of stuff. All downers. And then it came the snorting, you know, the snorting and the drinking. And then the, a little bit of freebasing. Well, let me tell you something. My downfall is when I drink. I haven't drank since 1989. Last time I drank, I was in prison. Wow. So, you know, I don't drink because... I know that that takes me to a place. Mm -hmm. I also know that I don't need to drink mm -hmm. for it to take me to a place. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I need to do is think stupid, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll get taken to that place. When you did get into crack, how much different was it than when you were snorting it? It got out of control quick. Yeah. The whole thing of, you know, of one more was right there, and it was constant, days at a time. I'm not this guy that goes and smokes crack for a day and goes home and lays down. No, I smoked crack for two weeks. Mm -hmm. I've been up before smoking crack for two weeks straight. Wow. Okay? I was with this girl, and we were in a hotel up on Federal Highway, and we went in the 7-Eleven over there across from Peaches. Mm -hmm. There's a 7-Eleven over there. So the lady says, I'm back there at the fountain drink, trying to get a drink out of there, and I'm bouncing. Can't even talk. The girl at the cash register asked the other asked the girl I was with, "What's the matter with him?" She said, "Oh, don't pay him. He got cerebral palsy," <laughs> which is sad to say. Yeah. But I was banging the walls, man. Yeah, you know. And she was driving my truck, that whole thing, you know, because I couldn't drive. Yeah, you know? thank God, thank God, I had the common sense not to drive like that. Here's what it is: the second time you went to prison, how many years? Uh, he gave me ten years with a three-year mandatory. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many did you serve? Uh, about five. About five? Yeah. So the first time you did seven, the second time you did five? Mm -hmm. Almost seven. Almost seven. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then the very last time I went to prison was for a crack pipe. The last they, time you went to prison, how many years did they give you? They gave me four years for a crack pipe. Four years for a crack pipe. That's mm -hmm. insane. And it was never any mention, oh, let's put, let's, maybe we should. Send them to treatment. Send them to treatment. Nothing. Or, you know, something. Psychiatrist. Therapy. Anything. Ther anything. You know, no, no, he's got points, right? He's got a priors. He's going to prison. Mm -hmm. There was no. Drug court wasn't a thing? <laughs> No. There was no drug court. There was no drug court back then. No. There was drug court when I went for the crack pipe, but I, I went to I went to rock court mm -hmm. for the crack pipe. And even even the judges looking, what's he doing here? Because I wasn't supposed to I, I wasn't supposed to be in rock court. Mm -hmm. You know? For not for no crack pipe. Yeah. You know? They gave me four years. Wow. Okay. I did forty months. I stayed clean the whole time. Did you know about recovery then? Or yeah. you found out when you got out? My second time in prison. They had meetings in there? Yeah. And we went because there was coffee. Yeah. Good coffee. There was cookies? John Henry said there was cookies. Every now and then. <laughs> Every now and then the guy that actually brought the meeting uh -huh. into us and brought yeah. the literature in so we could read it, he brought cookies. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. He didn't bring, he didn't bring refreshments. He just bought cookies because mm -hmm. we had coffee. And that's the first time you heard about recovery. And Did you think you were going to stay clean at that point? No. No, you were just going because there was... No, I was going coffee. because it was coffee and cookies. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I didn't want to. I didn't really, really actually, and, and to be truthful, with, I didn't want to get clean. Yeah. You know, I like to smoke pot. Mm -hmm. Pot now makes, you know, like last... I can't remember the last time I smoked pot. It makes mm -hmm. me fucking stupid. <laughs> I mean, dumb or in a box of rock. I can't say... I can't figure nothing out. Mm-hmm. Like when I got clean this, I didn't smoke pot on, on my last run. Yeah. No, I smoked crack, like any good crackhead. Exactly. You know? Yeah, crack is one of those drugs where like once I smoked crack, even with coke, once I did coke, I didn't crave any other drug Joke. ever. I didn't want ecstasy. I didn't want acid. I didn't want pot. I want it. And then any uh, introduction of another drug would only make me realize how much I don't want it and I want crack. Yeah. I haven't tripped in a long time. Back <laughs> in, in my 70s. day, yeah. When you did acid, you were tripping. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, this is just a short story. We were tripping doing the the window pane thing, <laughs> you know. And you put it in your eye. Really? That's how you got high. 
Mm-hmm. You took it. It came. It came. It came it in looked, a droplet, right? No, it came like 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 a four pane window. Okay. But it was small. Uh-huh. It was only about this big, and, and you would put it in the corner of your eye. Oh, and it would absorb in your absorb eye. in your eye. We're tripping. We're bouncing around. We're hanging out, laughing and kicking it. Yeah. So we go into Seven Eleven on Seventeenth Street Causeway, just east of Federal. Mm-hmm. It used to be a Seven Eleven there, and it used to be a KFC across the street. So we're in there, we're clowning, we're back there at the fountain drinks, and we're clowning around. And this other kid we're with, he went over to the hardware counter, and he opened up a pack of razor blades and started hacking himself. I mean, have a razor blade in each hand, and he started hacking his arms. Man, we look over there, and the lady's screaming. It was terrible. My other buddy I'm with, there was three of us. My other buddy ran over there and tackled him on the ground, and as soon as he tackled him, and I was standing, I was standing over him, as soon as he tackled him, he puked all over the floor. Oh, my God. I mean, just literally puked all over the floor. And he looked up at me and said, man, we got to leave him. You know, we got to get out of here. That's how fucked up he was. Yeah, that's how. Out yeah. of his mind. Yeah. yeah. He said, we got to leave him. And for that moment of clarity, I'm like, leave him? What do you mean? leave? We got to leave him right here. We went out the store. Mm-hmm. And I had blood on me. He had blood on him. We do some alleys and we get all hooked all around and we get over there and we get behind this one store and we're looking across the street and there's cops and ambulances and everything there. He ended up getting 300 and something stitches in his arms. Wow. Cut tendons and all that shit. It's like he survived. Yeah. But it's right next to the hospital too. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you're mm-hmm. six blocks away. Not that that makes any difference. It helps a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it helps a little bit. When you're bleeding out. Yeah. Wow. But he, uh, he, he really hacked himself up, you know? Yeah, I mean, th- that's the thing with acid and all those stuff is that you might have a thousand good trips, but it's that one bad trip that you can kill somebody, kill yourself. You don't think this is real. Like, you know, I've been there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm grateful that I didn't kill myself or someone else. That's the last time I tripped. Yeah. Yeah. I had I'm a done. bad trip too. Yeah, I ain't, tri- <laughs> I ain't going that route. So when you do the four years and you, you stay clean that entire time, mm-hmm. you're staying clean because you know that, they're just tacking on years for bullshit at this point because you did four years for a paraphernalia charge that a normal person would probably not even get jail time for. Jail time for. They would probably get probation or whatever, yeah. See, the reason why I stayed clean that whole time is the time before that, mm-hmm. okay? Florida State Prison came down with urine tests when we were in Miami. Oh, you didn't have urine tests before that? No. Oh, that's so crazy to think about, yeah. Right? Wow. We didn't have urine tests in prison. So, oh, in prison, in prison, okay, in prison, they have urine tests. We were smoking them as fat as your thumb <laughs> almost every day, mm-hmm. you know. We were burning so hard in the dormitory on Christmas Eve one night. The lieutenant came in there and said, Hey, man, you guys got to hold this down. You're killing my cop in here, you know. He don't even want to walk in here because he's, he's afraid he's gonna get high, <laughs> you know. You know, and they came up with this urine test thing. They locked about 32 of us up on the urine test thing. Mm-hmm. And they left us back there for 128 days. 128 days? Yeah, I was in confinement. And each of you were in a separate room? Separate cells. By yourself? By ourselves. What's that like? <laughs> Madness, man. It's you, 24 hours a day of stealing concrete. You don't get out one hour a day? They don't let you out an hour a day? Nope. They, 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 what they did was they would let us out, but they wouldn't let us out together. Yes, yeah, so you, you know? one man at a time. Yeah, they, they let you, you had a schedule, mm-hmm. you know. Or, you, you know, they had pens mm-hmm. where you could get out and you go in the pen. And you only got an hour. Shower you, a week? Two showers a week. Two showers a week? Yeah. Well, we were administrative confinement, so we got canteen. They still had cash then. So they would bring cash to your cell door and give you cash. Because mm-hmm. that way I could juice the, juice the Jamaican. Mm-hmm. Our, our runarounds in confinement... We're all Jamaicans with dreadlocks mm-hmm. that wouldn't cut their hair because they had a court order. Yeah. Well, once it gets to a certain, once that court order expires, they come and cut your hair. Wow. Yeah. They. Yeah. So it's the court order because of their religion. Because of their Rastafarian stuff, yeah. you know, or Rast- whatever. I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So wait, wait, wait. So they would give you cash for canteen. Yeah. And then and then the canteen man would come. Mm-hmm. You'd fill out a slip. Canteen man would fill it and bring it to your cell, and you pay him, and he'd go back to the canteen. So this whole time, is your, are your parents giving you money for, for prison? Yes. In prison? Your, yeah. your mom and your dad, mom, or mainly my, your mom? My mom. Just your mom, right? My your mom. dad wrote you off. He was like, whatever. Nah, he didn't write me off, but my mom took care of everything. Okay. Yeah. My mom, 
the whole time, huh? When they walk you, by. Did she think you were going to turn your life around? She didn't have no clue. She had no clue? She had no clue. <laughs> she, she, you know, she didn't she have no clue. She was just like, that's she, whatever. She, she, she was just like, you know how they say uh, our, a mother's love is undying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mom took that to a whole nother, as your mom, yeah. took it to a whole nother level. Yeah, you don't realize most people have never tested the human spirit because we test it in ourselves and in our family. Like you really see how much you can stretch somebody's like ability to love you. Yeah. Family, it's like you really see yeah. how you could put them through so much and they don't waver. They just keep. My, uh, no, nobody just wrote me right letters. There. Nobody. The only person that wrote me letters all the years I did in prison was my mom. The only person that sent me money. All those years. It was your mom. Was my mom. Yeah. Yeah. And you know she what? She sent me fifteen dollars a week, man. That's cool. And, and that gave me five packs of rip. Mm-hmm. And cigarettes. Yeah. And bag soups and crackers. Mm-hmm. To snack on at night. That was it. It was pretty much all I needed. Yeah. You know? I didn't need a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I wasn't hustling or anything like that, like I had done previous prison sentences. I wasn't doing nothing. All I was doing was just trying to get home. You know, that was my main focus there, you know. When you get out of prison, you had four years clean? I had 40 months. 40 months. Okay, 40 months. So when you came out, what compelled you to want to go to meetings? I didn't want to go back on that particular But you thought meetings worked at that point? Did you know anybody that had gone to 12-step meetings? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you knew that they worked? You believed in it? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was examples of of people working, you know, a um, a program. Because it's hard to get clean when you've never seen it. Because, like, for me... Got proof. Yeah, for me, it was like, I, I was so skeptical because, like, I knew it worked because I believed other people. But I didn't know nobody. I didn't know anybody that I knew that was going to meetings. I thought I was just the only crazy one that might really need this because all of my friends and people I used with weren't weren't even thinking about getting clean. And then as I stayed clean, man, every single one of them sat their ass in them same seats. You know, there for a while, you know, like, uh, I'm going to share this with you. There was a guy that I was in prison with in Miami Mm -hmm. for a long time, you know. I was in prison. I was a permanent two times in Miami. The second time I was a permanent, I was in the welding shop outside the fence, and he he worked outside grounds, and he worked construction. Good kid, you know, Spanish guy from Miami. It's crazy. I don't really want to say his name. You know, but, you know, he, he doesn't hide his recovery, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but he's got like almost 20 years now. Okay. So I'm down here at the spiritual retreat in the Keys, popping around on my bicycle. And here he is. He's like, man, what are you doing? I said, wow. I'm doing the same thing you're doing, you know? And you guys linked up from prison. And we linked up from prison and we see each other at all the conventions over the years. Mm-hmm. And you know we hang out. We make sure we, we we make sure he lives in Fort Myers now. Mm-hmm. We make sure that we eat and hang out poolside mm-hmm. at least once or twice during the convention. And it's you know what more can you ask for? Yeah. You know he's a, he's a success. He owns a landscaping company. Mm-hmm. He cut grass in prison. Now he, <laughs> he cuts no, grass on the street. Fine. You know he has probably you know quite a few people working for him. Mm-hmm. Last last time I saw him was in Orlando in July. Last year. Last last July. Yeah, last yeah. July for uh, Frickna. Frickna, yeah. yeah. So so you got a prison, you start going to these meetings. What's your like mentality like when you get out of prison, you start going to meetings? What do you have? Like, are you living in a halfway? At that particular time, you know. Did you get clean that time or you went back to prison after that? I, I didn't get clean. I, I stayed clean for a little while and then I stopped going to meetings, hmm. you know, and, and working any kind of uh, 12-step program. And, you know, doing what I needed to do, mm-hmm. you know, and form, you know, my recovery. And eventually I relapsed. And when I did, it was hard. It was so hard that my dad had a restraining order put on me because hmm. I was going over there in the middle of the night, give me money, beating on geeked the door, out. you know what I mean, all geeked out, you know. One day I went over there. Well, I um, didn't know that he put a restraining order on you. That's crazy. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smart man. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was he was over it. Yeah. And when they issue me the restraining order, you know, I have to issue the restraining order before they can enforce it. Mm-hmm. When they, I'm like, really? I said, yeah, you got a restraining order now. Sign here, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and they caught me. They, they would have never caught me if I wouldn't be coming out of this, this crack house, a known crack house. Mm-hmm. 
And you know something? The cop that was issuing the restraining, the two cops that were issuing the restraining order, you know, they weren't mean to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been tuned up by the police hard, okay? But I don't have resentment towards that because they had a job to do, right? And I had a job to do too, and that was get high. Mm-hmm. You know, we have no, we, we, we have no, we have no resentment there. You know, I don't have resentment towards the police anymore. For a long time, I did. You know, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their, mm-hmm. I, they got a job to do. And I had a job to do, and that was to get high. And they were just in the way, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, like when they, so when they, they served the restraining order, so I went over there. I had been up probably seven, eight days. And I couldn't even walk straight up and down. You know, I was hunched over. My stomach hurt real bad. So I went over there, and, and he gave me 20 bucks. My dad gave me 20 bucks. My wow. mom wouldn't come out of the house. My dad came to the door, gave me 20 bucks. I left. They found me down near Motel 6 and surrounded me. Mm-hmm. The cop saved my life. He's, he's a neighborhood cop. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, he said, I got to take you to jail. I said, oh, hell no, I ain't going to jail. He said, look around you, buddy. You're going to jail. I go, I need to hit it one more time. He said, hit it one more time. He let you hit the pipe one more time? He let me hit. Well, yeah. This guy's a saint. He let me hit it. Wow. I, I have 15 cops around me, bro. Wow. You know, he knew that he could. He knew he, 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 that they weren't going to whip my ass unless I instigated it. Mm-hmm. Okay, for one. Right. For two, they couldn't, they, they couldn't stun gun me because they had to kill me. Mm-hmm. I'd been up for so long. <laughs> I was so underweight. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was 120, 122 pounds. Yeah. Okay. Skin and bones. So I turned my back and I hit it. There was nothing to hit. I've been pushing it. <laughs> there was nothing to <laughs> that hit. That is a sad, sad. Oh wow. There was nothing to hit. I've been pushing it since mid before <laughs> midnight. Yeah. You know? Only real crackheads know that pain. There is nothing. There is nothing worse. Then there being nothing to hit, and you haven't came to grips with it for 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's cops all around me. That's real surrender. Hey, so he says, church, he says, church, give me the, he said, give me the pipe. Wow. So I handed him the pipe, put my hands behind me. You think back, you're going to prison? No, I didn't think I was going to prison. I go to jail. My bond's a 1000 bucks. Well, ain't mm-hmm. nobody going to bond me out. Nobody, nobody on God's green earth is going to bond me out on a $1,000 bond. Mm-hmm. Possession of cocaine, the pipe, and violation of restraining order. Hmm. Two days later, they took the restraining order and made it aggravated stalking. Took me back to court hmm. and raised my bond to $110,000. Wow. I go to first appearance. They offer me 22 years in prison. <laughs> my mom's looking, oh, my God, right? I, wow. get on, I get on the phone. I said, Mom, it's do or die, baby. You got to get me out of here. I'll go to a halfway house. I'll, I'll never pump. use again. <laughs> you know the wow. whole Fox whole yeah. thing? This was... This was, you know, I got arrested on July 5th, 2005. Mm-hmm. Tell my mom. I said, Mom, I'm never going to get high again, okay? You got to get me out of here. Otherwise, you're going to put me in prison for the rest of my life. Because I'm not a guy. It, I was 45 then. Mm-hmm. I'm not a guy that does well in prison settings. You know, I'm not an institutionalized guy. I throw hands, mm-hmm. you know, n- not very nice person. You know, some people go in there and say, oh, I'm kumbaya. No, that's not who I am, you know. There's a lot of disrespect going on, and I'm not a tough guy. But, you, you know, like, if I have to be, I will. Mm-hmm. She bonded me out on $100,000 on that bond. Huh? She went down there, put up five grand, and wow. got me out. <laughs> Signed wow. up her house. She put My her house dad, up? Well, she signed her name. Wow. My dad didn't talk to her for a month. I, I thought it would be years because he put a restraining order on you. You went back over there and you got high and she's over here. And she bonded me out. Saving you again. Wow. Check this out. Mm-hmm. This is a good one. They go on vacation every year for lobster season. Mm-hmm. My family has done that since I was a child. My sister goes, her family, mm-hmm. her kids, all that. They all go to the Keys, this one hotel, and there's a bunch of people all go to this one hotel, and that's where they party for, mm-hmm. for two weeks straight and fish and dive. She bonded me out of jail, okay? I walked from Broward County Jail, 12-step tw- house. That's okay? a meeting place. A meeting place, right? I'm going going to meet with the guy. I had made arrangements to meet the guy that, that owned the halfway house next door to the 12-step house. Yeah. That morning, I walk from county jail 
12 step house, walked over to Lester's. She came over to Lester's at six wow. o'clock in the morning. My mom came to Lester's at six o'clock in the morning because they let you out late. Yeah. I mean, they let you out in the middle of the night. I don't know why they do that. Because they do that forever. Yeah, it's yeah. like, why but, do you let people out at three in the morning? Like, what? Be, be, because that's who they are. They want you to get rearrested. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. It, they, don't, they don't care about you. They don't yeah. get, they want you to get rearrested. Yeah, because what the fuck is going on at three in the morning? It's insane. They ain't nothing but derelicts and crackheads <laughs> out there. Yeah. And I was one of them. Well, you know, the clothes I had on, I stunk. My pants were held up by string. And my mom came over to Lester's and gave me $20 and I bought breakfast. I couldn't even eat at all because I hadn't eaten. You know, I've eaten and I was yeah, in jail for 30 days when she bonded me out. stomach shrinks. She bonded, she bonded me out on, what was it, August 2nd? Mm -hmm. And then left on the 6th for two weeks vacation with my dad wow. and the whole family thing. So when she came back, I said, did he talk to you yet? She said, yeah, barely. So when she bonded me, when, right before they went on vacation, she came and took me to the grocery store, bought me some groceries, came back, gave me a little bit of pocket money, and they were gone. Hmm. They went on vacation, and I can started my process then, you know? Been clean ever since. Been clean ever since. Kept your word. July 5th. Wow. You know? What was that first year like for you? So you're living next to the meeting house. Is it the first time in Halfway? You've been in Halfway before. I've been in Halfway before, yeah. It's the first time staying? I was in a Halfway house. At first, it was good. You know, people are always going to eat your food. Yeah. People are always going to do what they're going to do. You know, there's different personalities, you know. and But, you know, like for me, you know, I just didn't want to go to prison. So I went to court. I went to, let me tell you, during this process, my first year, mm -hmm. I go to court. It's 22 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, don't we have to do a discovery or something? <laughs> You're already an attorney at this point. Public defender. Yeah. So I said, don't we have to do a discovery here? You want to give me 22 years right off the bat. You know, I'm not, I told the public defender, I said, I'm not talking to you unless we get some facts here. You do your job. And I was, I was very, very adamant about it. Mm -hmm. I said, they told you to represent me. I want to be represented. Okay. I want you to do a discovery. Let's see what they got. They said, I have aggravated stalking. Mm -hmm. I want to see it. They upgraded it. Let's see it. Mm -hmm. So we went through all that. So my first year in recovery I worked very hard. And you thought you were probably going to prison. Yeah. Or it was at least hanging over your head. I thought they were going to put me in prison for some time, mm -hmm. not 22 years. My, my judge was looking back at hindsight was a good guy. I had six months out. My dad died. Wow. Yeah. Your dad died when you had six months clean? Yep. He never got to see you get a medallion. And he never saw me get a medallion or oh nothing. But his last words to me up there at Broward General, I was about two months back in iron, doing iron work mm -hmm. again. You know, when I first came home, I was home a week and was digging sprinkler trenches in August. Okay. Well, that's a nice job. I'm just messing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for six bucks an hour cash. Okay. But it was enough to pay my rent. Mm -hmm. It was enough to get me some groceries. It was enough that I was exhausted enough that I didn't want to do anything else but go home, shower, and go to the 12-step house for a <laughs> meeting and, and then back home. Okay. So it was very simple. And it was probably early in the morning. And you probably got home at a decent time and were able to make a meeting. It was very, very simple for me. You, you know, like I kept it, I wanted to, I kept it simple for a reason because I didn't want to complicate it. You know, I didn't complicate it with girls or sneakers or any mm -hmm. of that other materialistic stuff. You know, I'm still today a very simple person. Mm -hmm. I dress very simple. You know, I maintain a very simple lifestyle. You know, I don't drive a nice car. I drive a 2016 Sentra, nice. you know, but, you know, and I have my work van. That first year, I just didn't want to go to prison. Mm -hmm. So the second year out on bond, then they dropped it 12 years. I said, you're out of your mind. Hmm. I said, I don't deserve to go to prison. My dad died. There's no case here. Wow. Yeah. So finally, we were back and forth. I went, uh, like, I had about 18 months clean. I went to court one day, and, and Judge looks at me and says, listen, this is what I'm going to do for you today. I'm going to give you a mental health downward departure. Wow. I'm going to give you 10 years probation. Hmm. I would advise you very strongly to take it. <laughs> what do what I, I sign? sign? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. When you had 18 months clean? Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. and this is 2008? Eight, two thousand six, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like something, that. Something like that. Two thousand seven. Right, right, right in yeah. there. 
So I said, where do I sign? He looked at me like, I'm going to get him. Yeah. There's no way this guy's going to do Ten no years of probation. probation. Get the fuck out so, of here. And it. stay clean. He's yeah. a crackhead. You know, there's no way he's going to stay clean. Good. I'm glad he thought that. Mm-hmm. Some years later, I saw him in Dunkin' Donuts. He said, I can't believe. So anyway, let me, <laughs> let me, let, let me backtrack. So we do the probation. Uh-huh. I get, and that we're a really good guy. I'd sit in front of my halfway house on Sunday morning when he did his drive-by mm-hmm. to check my living residence. That's how we, that's how we did it. Yeah, he knew you were there. He knew I was there. You know, he waved to me, I waved to him, and I, he, I guess he went around the corner, wrote in a book, and kept it moving. Mm-hmm. I went in every month, you know, and there's me and somebody else we know that were in the probation office every month. Mm-hmm. We had the same guy. And he says, and we were both in recovery. So he looked back there. We'd be in the back of the room. He said, are you two ready to pee? I said, yep, we're ready. This other person's a girl. So we'd go and go pee, and we'd be out the door. You know, yeah. these other people stranding and drinking water. And, yeah, stressing you know, out. Stressing yeah. out. No, we're ready. I, I did two years paper, and I went back in front of the judge trying to get off. He laughed at me. <laughs> okay. I got a lawyer. I got a lawyer and went back in front of him uh-huh. trying to get off probation with only two years done. Yeah. But I had it paid. You paid your restitution. No, there was no restitution. I paid the probation. Okay. I paid the whole term. He said, you're crazy. He said, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. I went back the next year. He let me off. Wow. Three years. Let me off in three years. Wow. You know? And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's a gift from God. No, that's not a gift from God. That's a gift from doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Okay? You know, my gift to God for me is my life. Yeah. That I'm still alive, you know? So, you know, like what more can I ask for, you know? So, you know, the process started from there, you know? My mom got sick, as you know. What would your mom say when you would get all these medallions and stay clean? Later on when she had, you know, her Alzheimer's and stuff, she didn't know. She had no clue. My mom would look at me and her Alzheimer's dementia thing, mm-hmm. you know? She'd look at me and say, she'd turn her head back and forth like this. she said. You go tell that goddamn churchy to get back here with my money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was my mom. So one year, um, actually the last medallion that her and this person, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not friends with them anymore due to, you know, they, they headed on down another road, you know, and I'm not, I'm not on that. I'm not on that same path. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in recovery for a reason because I like it. You know, I like how my life is not great but I like how my life is and I'm not going to throw it out there for no stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, make a long story short, he and my mom gave me my, well, she wouldn't talk. She just sit there in a wheelchair looking at yeah. everybody clapping and I everything. Remember. We get in the car ready to leave me, her and the nurse. I always brought the nurse with me. Cause that way when, you know, like when it was late at night, my mom could be wet, mm-hmm. you know? So I would want my mom changed before she went to bed. So she, my mom gets in the car. And she's just looking all around. She said, boy, she looked over at me. She says, boy, that boy sure did talk a lot about his mom in there. Wow. I say, he sure did, didn't he, mom? The nurse started laughing. <laughs> the last nurse we had, she really took good care of my mom. And that was the whole process in itself. Yeah, taking care of your mom those last You, you remember that night when yeah. we went down the back on track and I had to carry her um, up the stairs. Uh, up the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that wasn't no, well. you, you know, you, you know, she, she wasn't light, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, you know, I needed a meeting. Yeah, I remember I, that. <laughs> I carried her straight up them steps. <laughs> like she was a box of wood. Or yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, but. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, uh, you know, like. And that's the thing is like knowing your story, when I would see her around, it was something special, you know, because you knew that like yeah. to you, this is like your way of giving back to your mom and and it meant so much to her. And even if she wasn't even really knowing what was going on. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It was like, it was almost like the best form of service because you're not doing it to get the thank yous or whatever. You're just doing it because you know she had literally put her house up for you and it didn't matter. Yeah. She stuck by me mm-hmm. through everything. Everything. You know, the cops surrounded my house, come and take me to jail, blah, 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 you know what I mean? Everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She surrounded me with love all those years. So I did the same back. Mm-hmm. There at the end, like when she, I knew that she was getting ready to go. Mm-hmm. The convention was coming in Miami, free to main free, mm-hmm. white out. Okay. <laughs> Where everybody was dressed in white. Yeah. Yeah. 
good convention. The hotel was shitty, but we had a good time. That was my weekend to go. Well, she went to my sister's for four days every two weeks. Mm-hmm. This was on my calendar. It was my weekend to go away. Mm-hmm. Well, she stopped eating. And when she stopped eating, I knew it wasn't going to be good. Yeah. After the first, well, first two days, third day, then I started getting worried. I said, well, she's really, she's dug in her heels. And we couldn't force feed her. Hmm. You know, it wasn't, it's not in the paperwork. There's no feeding tubes. There is none of that. You know, there is nothing to, to sustain life, you know. So our last conversation was, um, I said, listen, if you don't eat, I'm going to feed you with a slingshot. <laughs> she looked at me. She said, you ain't got no goddamn slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, and <laughs> off she went to my sister's. Well, during that weekend, I went to the convention, mm-hmm. and I and, and I hung with our friends. That Monday morning, I got my sister said, "Well, we're bringing her home," mm-hmm. and that's a home that she, her, and my dad bought back in the fifties. In the same house. Same house. Wow. So we brought her back home. That's when you know, like she she, she was totally out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, she was wrapped in a sheet. Like we carried her in a sheet. You know. Got her in, you know, I, when I left the convention early that morning, I brought her home. I, I came home. I moved the hospital bed from the bedroom into the living room so people could see her, mm-hmm. you know, and because I knew people were coming. Yeah. You know, and, and some of our friends came and uh, some didn't, you know, and my family came. You know, my family never thought that would stay clean this long. Of course. My sister and them have this uh, whole thing of. Uh, One day the other shoe's going to drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My sister, my sister, and them have a bunch of letters behind their names, mm-hmm. and you know it's okay to drink a twelve pack and get behind the wheel of a car. Mm-hmm. Just saying, you know, not my. I'm not judging. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not my thing. What's you know? just sharing? Huh? It's sharing. Yeah, just sharing. <laughs> just saying, you know. And uh, we bumped heads about that along the way, taking care of my mom because my mom was the priority here, mm-hmm. the best quality care we could afford, mm-hmm. because. My mom's pension was $200 too much to have in-home health care. So we had to pay this nurse $600 a week cash for years. Wow. Years. Wow. My mom had her pension. Don't get me wrong. But my hustle game was on the best game I ever had at that time. To make sure that your mom To make sure that she was taken care of, you know, with quality care. Yeah. You know, I didn't want her laying there wet. I didn't, well, sitting. I didn't want her sitting there wet. I didn't want her sitting there watching Jerry Springer. Mm-hmm. I didn't want her sitting there, you know, I didn't want her sit there miserable, you know. I wanted her sitting there doing a crossword puzzle, mm-hmm. watching the um, home improvement thing <laughs> and, and pickers and the shows that she liked, Yeah, you know. Not the shows that the nurses liked. Exactly. You there know? you go. And it was expensive. Good medical, uh, a nurse like that, $16 an hour cash. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if you think and you're going to get a good one for anything less, you're crazy. And it's 24-7. It's not like a couple hours a well, day. I had the nurse eight hours a day. Eight hours a day, okay. Yeah. When I was pulling out in the morning at 7, she was pulling in. Wow. And then I had she had her kids to pick up, so I was home by 3 every day. Wow. And thank God I worked for two girls back then that let me have a schedule where you could go, where I could do, do that. that. That I took care of their properties, wow. you know, and then and then you know I've been in business eleven years. Mm-hmm. My maintenance service has been in business eleven years, so you know the whole process of taking care of my mother mm-hmm. was the best thing I've ever done, hands down. I would do it again tomorrow, mm-hmm. and you know, like I encourage people that have elder that have parents that haven't gone through this to make sure that the paperwork is in place mm-hmm. for her wishes. Yeah. Because that's what has to happen eventually, Mm -hmm. you know. It's not about us anymore, you know. So, you know, I stayed clean for a long time through this. I battled my family. You know, I battled everything. You know, I battled a lot of personal stuff. You know, I battled mental health. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've battled a lot of different things in life, okay, but I haven't gotten high. It serves me no purpose to get high. Mm -hmm. I'm not going back. I'm going forward, Yeah, you know. Hey, well, I appreciate you coming on the show. You know, church, like it's um, it's interesting because you know it doesn't matter like how old you are when you get clean. Like I was a kid when I got clean. You were forty five when you got clean. But it's like when you have that bond because we we almost I always seen you as like 
my predecessor because you had more time than when I got here, you know, and you always will be. But it's like we got clean together, yeah. you know, because like when we would go to the spiritual retreat, you know, it would be all of us hanging out together and it wouldn't matter like how old somebody was or whatever. We'd all hang out all together, have fun, fuck around. But, you know, I always think about that I had no idea how much fun I could have clean. Yeah. And like the relationships I would have, that's really like family, you know, just being like, I don't, I'm not a, a fishing person. I don't like boats, but you know, there's something that happened to my spirit when I started going to the spiritual retreat and that spiritual retreat in the keys, like it hasn't gone on for like four or five years. I don't think yeah, the, since I, Irma. Yeah. It hasn't been the same since. No. But it's like, there was something so special about that keys retreat that Everybody you know in recovery in South Florida, even people from the other fellowship would come. That's yeah. how good it was. Yeah, that's how good it was. <laughs> yeah, that's how and, good and, it was. And you know something? They've talked about trying to do it at different campgrounds and this and this. It's a big deal for them to do, mm -hmm. you know? And I miss it, but also it's a sign of the times, mm -hmm. you know? The COVID thing threw a, a wrench in everything. Yeah. I mean, the COVID thing tried to throw a wrench in our recovery, mm -hmm. you know, and we didn't let it. I hated Zoom. You know, people used to put a shirt on. Hey, listen, I ain't put no shirt on. I'm in my house. I'm in my house. Why I got to put a shirt on? I'm in my chair that I pay for. You know, I pay for this electric. You don't. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me to put a shirt on. It's like telling me, Brian, go shave. Yeah. No. You don't have <laughs> What are you talking about? You know? But, you know, I didn't like Zoom. Yeah. But we did what we had to do to get through it. Mm -hmm. You know? And, and, I, and I'm f grateful for Zoom. It took me a little bit to figure it out. You know, yeah. I'm not this big technical guy. But what I'm grateful for today, I, I'm starting to come more and more into my own, a softer, gentler person, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and, you know, we've had those conversations where it's like, man, it's easy to point out what's wrong. It's easy to point out things we don't like. Yeah. And in my opinion, that's what brings people out of the program more than anything. Yeah. Is when people say, oh, well, this person and that person, yeah. did you know, like that's, but that's the easy thing to do. Yeah. It's hard to go to meetings after you've been there for a long time and still try to find the goodness and the camaraderie. The fellowship ain't perfect. People are fucked up. People do shit that I don't like. I got problems with people. You know, there was times where I was in therapy and I was like, dude, if I see this guy, I will hit him. And I, I told, I told my therapist, I was like, I don't want to go here because I don't want to see him because I think I'll put hands on him. And my therapist was like, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I want to go, but I just don't want to see him. And he was like, well, you're letting this person have so much power over you that you can't go yeah. where you want to go. Yeah. And, and then he was like, is he going to put hands on you? He, I was like, never. And he was like, then you don't got no problems. He said, um, the problem that I'm making, I need to look at it like a bug yeah. instead of look at like a big issue. Because he's like, there was a time where it used to be annoying and now it's past that. Yeah. Can you just bring it back to where it's a little annoying, but you could still deal with it? I revert back to our last time we went, me, me you, and Mikey mm -hmm. went to dinner. Yeah. And you told me, stop concentrating, okay, on what's going around you, mm -hmm. what's going, what other people are doing around you, and concentrate on yourself. I try to do that every day. It doesn't always work, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, matter of fact, you know, <laughs> I got to stay really centered. Because I can go zero to 60 in no time at all. Yeah. But I also know that change comes in time, you know, whether if you've got three years or almost 17 mm -hmm. or 35, the change comes, mm -hmm. you know. And, you, you know, like a, another one of our predecessors who also I did time with in one of <laughs> Florida's roughest prisons years ago, right, says, I'm betting on the turtle, mm -hmm. you know, because it's a process. Yeah. It's a slow process. And, you know, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be where I am today. Hey, I love you, church. Thank love you for you coming too. out. I appreciate right. you. Guys, if you're listening, please tell your friends and family to like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and anywhere you're able to hear this podcast, you can check us out on video and audio. Thank you. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. <laughs>